but feminism is about fairness, the basic and fundamental human right of being able to participate in the choices for your future. Girls like you inspire me and impress me every single day. Spread your fire. Use your fire to light other women's torches and make more light and more heat for all of us. Me too must become we too. We are all in this together. Feminists. The person who believes in the social, political and economic equality of the sexes. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of My Point of View with me, Camila. Hello everybody, welcome, welcome back. Welcome, if you're new, I'm a 22-year-old college student from Argentina having a lifestyle career-based podcast and now is doing a special series all about feminism, women empowerment and everything that has to do with that during March. So, welcome to the fourth episode. Are we already on the fourth episode? Wow, that's insane. March has flown by, really. But welcome to the fourth installment of Women's March. I still cannot believe that March is about to be over. Like, what? Excuse me? What happened? (laughs) But yeah, hello everybody. I've had, oh my god, a week. As you know, this past week has been my first week back to school. And oh my god, I'm stressed. I am tired. I I am all over the place. But yeah we're gonna start first this episode talking about my well doing my weekly review which is my highlights and challenges of the week and then we'll get into the episode so we're just gonna get right onto it so we don't spend a hundred hours talking here okay so my challenge of the week and i'm gonna i was going to get very like i don't know what how do you say it specifically like I was gonna get really simple or really basic with something like this like saying that I'm stressed or whatever but really there have been a lot of things going around like the topic of women I mean first I think everyone knows and everyone saw the case of Sarah Ever Everard in the UK she was walking home at 9 p.m she was kidnapped and murdered and that's insane the fact that me from all over the world from uh, the other side of the world I can totally relate to that and that fact that the policeman told them told women to stay in at night so they are safe like what the hell and I don't know and everything going around with that really just put me in a mood all week and then here in Argentina there's there there a little kid was kidnapped a little girl she was seven and she was kidnapped they found her today, Thursday, in the morning, and she's fine and all of that. But, you know, when you just... I don't know, there's a case going on on the TV, and you just totally... I don't know, it brings you down, and it just makes you feel nervous and sad for the world. I don't know if it's for the world, but just... I don't know, it's everything going on around in the news and all of that. It really has been a challenge for me personally to get through. Sometimes it's hard to be in a good mood and have a normal week when all of these things are going around I really admire the people that can actually ignore it and look to the other side and have a normal week I totally cannot and it has totally brought me down in my mood and in everything this week and yeah of course I had other challenges like more basic challenges like oh my god school or whatever but I think that this has been my main challenges 
I don't know, we all know the things that go happen in the world and go around in the world, but when you sit and read about it and see how people respond to that, and you think that we have made a change, and then you read all the things that people have to say, and you're like, whoa, we're so far off. Actually making a change is kind of sad sometimes. With I mean, I'm talking about like the not all men hashtag and all that, that men have not understood at all. And here in Argentina, we have a similar case that happened with femicides the feminism movement kind of started with there being a lot of femicides so there has been always the thing where we always say like not i mean it's way it's so hard to translate it in english because there's not a specific way to translate it that sounds the way that it sounds in spanish but basically it's basically not like not one more of us us being women and men feel like oh my god but we are killed too and you're like i'm you're not getting the point of it you know like femicides were killed because we're women basically women sorry and i don't know i feel like the normal men think it's exactly the same and i cannot believe that there are those kind of people around the world that don't really understand it they don't get it and it angers me and it challenges me to have a good week when that happens around the world and there's a little girl being kidnapped like I don't know, I'm I'm not, I don't know, I, have a, I had a challenging week when it comes to that. And I'm not going to talk more about it, but yeah. So the highlight of the week, which is going to be way more silly than what I said last about the challenge, uh, but still, it's my highlight, my little highlight in everything that's going on in the world is that we have been, we've been having, experiencing, better said, here in Argentina, our little few days of the first kind of cold breeze, fall days. I am so excited for the cold weather. We have been in the 80s and 90s last week, so the fact that now we are in the 60s and 70s, I mean, shut up. Like, I am so excited. I am full. I'm, I'm just shopping online, sweater vest, and every single freaking trend that i saw this past winter and fall in the northern hemisphere i'm getting everything for this for our fall here in the southern hemisphere so yeah that's been my week i found little highlights in those things and also i started class and i found like kind of my group my new group because we've been separated between international relations and political science we have been together the this first three years but then the our fourth year which would be our senior year we kind of get divided and i found my little group in that we are nine and we i don't know i laugh and i have a great time and they make me kind of forget that the world is a horrible horrible place sometimes but yeah that was my week just let me know how your week was what was your highlight and what was your challenge i'm just very curious about that but now on to today's episode so today's episode is a very 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 so so exciting one is one that i wanted to do for quite a while but you know when you really don't know where to start with this and i mean we talk a little bit about this on the episode but i you have youtube and google all the time at the palm of your hands so not wanting to be educated on a topic it's really kind of being complacent and being okay with being ignorant which is insane it's insane but yeah i just I will. I wanted to do an episode about intersectional feminism for a while, and I had it in mind as one of the topics for my Women's March kind of series. Sorry, I was kind of had like a brain fart there, but yeah, I had it in mind for 
the women's march series i had a bunch of topics that i wanted to talk about which i'm still gonna touch on by the way like all the topics that i maybe didn't touch on in the series they are gonna be talked about someday in my podcast i don't need a specific series to have i don't need a specific theory series to have this you know uh so yeah uh intersectional feminism was a topic that i knew i didn't want to do alone i wanted to bring a guest that knew more about it so i just literally searched on youtube intersectional feminism i read and listened and saw a video all about kimberly crenshaw's story she created the term intersectional feminism and i mean so many other things and then i found a video of global news i think it's living color living in color i'm not exactly sure but i'm gonna link it down below of course as usual so yeah so basically i was just looking through youtube and i found our next guest she's called aisha Aro, and she even though she is a business administration business administration accounting major her true passion lies in ensuring girls around the world are provided with guidance and resources that help them identify their true purpose and calling to reach their full potential she founded power to girls foundation a non-profit organization to offer young girls the mentors and role models that were absent during um, her own youth and then she also created drive her the ride sharing service for women by women in her last lastest initiative to continue to empower and protect women which i we talked a little bit about but we started a conversation talking about intersectional feminism what intersectionality means of course she always says that she talks through her own experience as we all do so she, she talks about her own experience on that we talked about recognizing our biases and recognizing our privile privileges and how feminism has actually not always meant the same for everyone and how all inequalities are not created equal and also we talked about the difference between she sees feminism more as equity not equality and she explained me the difference in that and how she sees it differently because i really in argentina here in spanish the words kind of mean exactly the same so yeah for me at least maybe there's a word that i don't know that means exactly what she explained but she explained it and i totally got it and I don't know, I agree 100% with what she had to say. And this is such an insightful conversation. Again, this is a conversation that I needed to have for this series. It was going to be incomplete if I didn't. So I hope you enjoy. And yeah, she always she said at the end of the episode that she's available for any kind of thing that you want to keep on talking about that. Her Instagram and her DMs are always open. So I'm just going to leave all her information on the show notes so you can check out everything there. So yeah, I'm just going to leave you with the conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of My Point of View. And today I have a very exciting guest. Hi, Aisha. Hello, Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Do you want to give a little bit of an introduction for the people that may not know who you are? Yes, absolutely. First off, thank you so much for having me and for creating the space to allow me to share. Um, so like you mentioned, my name is Aisha Addo and I am a social entrepreneur with the focus on creating safe spaces for girls and women. And that is really at the core of everything that I do. I'm also a founder of an organization called Power to Girls. And what we do is that we provide programming resources and again, safe spaces for black and marginalized girls in Canada and in Ghana. Um, and I also have a bunch of other stuff that I work on, but I'm really excited to be here and can't wait for this conversation. 
Yeah, thank you so much for being on. So before we get on to today's episode, which is such an incredible episode, I think we're going to have a great conversation. I ask this question to every guest just to start it off. How are you really doing? Just how's your day really going? I just want people to express how they're really feeling on my podcast. How are you really doing? Yeah, that's a good question. No, I feel really good. Um, yeah, it, it's been a very interesting day. I always say that, um, I realize, but I'm actually really good. I'm well. Um, and I'm excited for what's to come over the next couple of days as well. So I'm in a good place right now. If you had asked me this maybe yesterday or the day before, the answer would have been different. But right now I'm in a good place. Thank you for asking. No, no worries. I'm glad you're doing very good. So I invited you to the podcast to talk a little bit more about intersectional feminism. I was talking, I was telling Aisha before we get onto today's episode that I really didn't know where to start. And I literally just as anyone does with any topic that you really want to learn about, you search on YouTube or on Google. It's like the first places that everyone goes. And I found her video on global news talking about intersection of feminism and her story. And I just, I don't know, I was hooked on the topic ever since. So yeah, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So for the people that may not know what intersectionality means and all of that, what would you say intersectionality means yeah, that's a that's a good question. So intersectional feminism is really, um, you know, feminism that really looks at everyone, everyone's experience and takes into account, you know, race, gender, sex, sexual orientation, um, mm-hmm. among many other things, because feminism, as we know, it is a very it, as, as broad as it might be, is not always very inclusive. So intersectional feminism looks more at like how can we include folks that systematically have been um, taken out of this conversation or, you know, our feminism doesn't necessarily cover, if that's the right word for me to say. And that's essentially what intersectional feminism is. It's around equity and it's around creating those equitable spaces and dismantling the systems that, you know, oppress people of color, that oppress mm-hmm. um, people from marginalized communities, people that have different sexual orientations, um, and all those different things. I think that's really what intersectional feminism is. For myself personally, I am still learning um, as well. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that is vital is, you know, I can always share about intersectional feminism or even feminism for that matter from my experience, my personal experience, right? And yeah, I think sure. it really comes down to being able to have the spaces that allows for you to share that without feeling uncomfortable or without feeling othered. And I think that's really what it comes down to. So. Yeah, that's what um, it means to me and what what I'll explain it as in my own terms. Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I read a quote by the woman who woman, sorry, who created the term uh, Kimberly Crenshaw that she said all inequality is not created equal, which I felt like it was a perfect way to kind of summarize what intersection of feminism is, because sometimes when you first get into feminism, you really don't look at it with the whole spectrum of other people that actually are part of the movement sometimes it's hard to kind of sit back and think like okay these people also have this inequality and this inequality and you have to take everything in account and I felt like especially when I saw your video on that global news uh kind of program or whatever it was called uh where you said like feminism at the time a couple years back was about white women going to work and the black women already are working staying with the children of the white women so I don't know, I felt like I got it so much from there. Sometimes it's kind of hard to, especially as my place in like being a white woman, sometimes it's hard to kind of be like, oh, okay, 
yeah, it's a different kind of thing, it's a different movement and all of that. So yeah, I know, absolutely. Yeah, just, I don't know, I, I've been so amazed by the concept. <laughs> so then I wanted to ask you, uh, what does intersectional feminism look like for you specifically? Like, where do you see it every day or where do you see it at its best? And when you first started seeing it, like, did you see when the movement first started? Do you see it, like, as your career went on and all of that? Yeah, that's a really good question because for me, actually, for a very long time, I didn't want to ascribe to that word feminist, mainly because I felt like the word in itself was very limiting and was not very, again, inclusive to my experiences as a black woman. Um, and I and I, I also feel like, you know, trans women will say the exact same thing um, because everyone's experience is different, right? Um, yeah. And it, it really was around how do I connect to this movement? Because again, going back to that interview that you were talking about, the underlining you know, foundation of feminism and the feminist movement was around creating, you know, making it making it possible for women to work, right? Yeah. And then it became, okay, we have to ensure that women, um, you know, can vote. Um, and then we can, we have to ensure that women have access to these things. And like, you know, women can own property and all these different things. And these were all things that was very specific um, to a particular target group. And then that was mainly white women. Black women at that time were already working. Black women at that time, even when, you know, white women had the chance to vote, did not have that same privilege. Black people did not have that same privilege, right? Um, even being able to own property, you know, like black people didn't have that same privilege. So it, it it's very interesting when, you know, we look at that from that lens and we look at the core of what feminism in itself is and what feminism is rooted in. And this is not to say that, you know, it is wrong in any way. No, but again, it wasn't very inclusive, right? It was very targeted to a particular um, group of people. So for me, growing up and recognizing the work that I do and the space that I navigate, it was now a question of, well, where do I find my place in this? Because as a Black woman, in some cases, I don't find myself represented in this. And, you know, I think that's that's something that a lot of Black women felt. And that's part of the reason why the term womanism was created by Bell Hooks, I believe. And so you look at all these different things and you look at all these different narratives and you recognize that this is not something that I am only experiencing in my 20s, but this is something that a lot of women experienced, a lot of women felt was an issue. So now my, my work really is around how can I ensure that I am creating a space that is inclusive, um, but then also not not taking away the fact that Black women and Black girls have different experiences, right? Um, and I think the same thing will go for, you know, trans women and trans girls have different experiences than, you know, cis heterosexual women. So it really is around how do we ensure that spaces that we create are inclusive. So for me, understanding that and again like i said earlier i'm still learning i'm still exploring it was about how do i translate this into the work that i do and throughout my work i've recognized that creating equitable spaces is really and truly what what matters right so it's not about just you know saying that you've created a space for women but it's like how equitable is your space are you given the same opportunities to women of color are you given the same opportunities to trans women are you given the same opportunity to, to non-binary folks like are you ensuring that 
people feel seen and heard when they are in your spaces. And I think that's really, for me, the true essence of it, because I always share this, that like feminism is not about equality, it's about equity, right? And when we talk about feminism and people feel like, oh, it is around, you know, bashing men or going against men. No, feminism is the fighting against a society, a societal structure. It's against systems. It's against patriarchy. And patriarchy is not something that is perpetrated by men. Women can be a part of a patriarchal society and can still perpetrate patriarchal beliefs. So really and truly, the fight is not against the genders. The fight is against the systems. So what are the systems that have been put in place to systematically oppress people of color, to systematically oppress um, non-binary folks, to systematically oppress, you know, disabled folks and like all these different things. So it really is about checking those things and ensuring that there is no barrier to access for anybody and any individual, whatever you might, you know, identify as. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like we have this thing with all the new movements and the society, which when Black Lives Matter movement back in June, July became really big this past year, that everyone was like colorblind, like why are we putting like tags to things? Why are we like differentiating black people from white people? Like we should all be like human or whatever. When I heard that, I was like, oh my God, you understood nothing <laughs> of the problem. Um, and I feel like that's like the main problem in feminism that we just started the movement being colorblind and being like every woman comes here, but every woman has different experiences, not just from their race, but their sexuality, also where they come from, like Western people have different experience from insert people i feel like sometimes when we are so ingrained in our western culture that we don't really recognize that someone can have a different complete experience from us in the same world but just the other side of you know on the eastern side and i i started just when i was so into feminism and stuff i started looking into that and all the work that people did on the eastern side of the hemisphere of the world and i was like wow like there are young girls marrying at the age of 12 like yeah here like for example in hollywood or, for, or whatever in the states yeah we want equal pay and that's really necessary but also we need to treat things like little girls getting married at the age of 12 and all of these things that happen on the other side of the world before we maybe treat like the higher like the, the higher people or the people that already have like an equality you know i don't know if i yeah. made myself any clear <laughs> no I, I totally get where you're coming from but i do also think that it's important um to recognize that the idea of feminism and and i think this is something that you know folks have to challenge all the time is that it is not about mm -hmm. having like a savior complex like it's not about trying to save you know, people or trying to be a voice for people. No, it's around how are you creating spaces or equipping people to actually advocate for themselves, right? How, like, how are your actions silencing, you know, people of color? How are your actions silencing people that do not believe the same things that you do? And I think that's really what is at the core because what I don't want us to do is really take this, um, this movement and any movement for that matter and make it a smoke screen for everything else right like they are they, like you said there are different um challenges that people face that individuals face and that's part of the reason why fighting the patriarchal systems is important and it's imperative because then you recognize that you're not only 
one, dismantling a system, but you're actually also holding people accountable. You're holding people that are in power accountable to the things that they say they're going to do. So I really want us to move away from the narrative of, you know, kind of like a savior complex and really look at how can we, in our small little corner, whatever corner that you are, how can you hold yourself accountable? And how can you check your biases? And how can you check all those different things? Because the reality is this, that we all have biases. Like anyone that is going to say, I don't have a bias, that is absolutely false, right? We all have <laughs> biases that we operate on. It might not necessarily all the time be, you know, racist and the bigot. Like, you know, we don't always have to be bigots and all these things, but we all have biases. And in more in more instances than one, we operate out of those biases. So it's really about checking your biases. And when you go into spaces, like looking around you and saying, how is my privilege in a way oppressing someone else? Because your liberation is someone else's oppression. Your freedom comes at a cost to someone else, whether you believe it or not, Right. So now it's about challenging those narratives and checking yourself and checking the people around you. And I think if we are able to really have that individual accountability to ourselves, then we can actually make a greater impact and a greater change because now we're checking ourselves and we're checking the people beside us. So we are creating a community and a cluster of change makers and people that are holding each other accountable and also holding systems accountable. And that is how we can create change. We cannot create change if we make it seem like it's an othered issue, like, oh, it's their problem. Like it is you know, women's problem. It is, oh, you know, black people's problem. Like you cannot separate those things. And I think that's really what the core of that intersectionality comes in and recognizing that we have different identities and we we are connected in so many different ways. And there's so many different parts of us and we cannot necessarily kind of like just put it all in one cluster and expect it to work. It's not going to, because we're all individuals first before we're anything else. So yeah, that's kind of like my little spiel there. <laughs> no, but I totally get it. I feel like when you when you look at it at like a smaller scale and you work on yourself and the people around you, it's way easier to create the real change. If you come here from like your little space and you say, I'm going to change the world, it's so hard to approach the world or whatever big place you want to approach. I feel like the real changes, as you said, come from like your own space, your own community, your own change, like personal like the biases and all of that so I totally agree with that <laughs> and then I wanted to talk a little bit about you mentioned privilege and all of that and I just wanted to talk about like how can we try to recognize this intersectional the intersectionality that exists within feminism like what can we do to be aware of it um, I think it goes back to some of the things that I shared, really. It's about checking your biases and checking your privilege, right? We all have some level of privilege, you know, some people more than others, but there is still a level of privilege. Like if I'm even being able to access this technology and being able to have this conversation with you, that is a privilege, right? So it really is around checking those things and checking your biases. And when you find yourself in a position of power, really looking around you and saying, how are you creating equitable spaces for everyone, right? And, you know, I saw this this thing where people talk about diversity and inclusion, and then they always talk about, you know, yes, we have women on our team, and it's normally white women, and it's not necessarily very, um, you know, 
represented. It, it's not very, um, it doesn't represent the people that either work in the place or the people that actually use the products or the services mm-hmm. and all those different things. So I think it's really, when you find yourself in a position of power, just checking yourself and checking those biases that you have. And also just in your everyday life, checking how is my privilege um, oppressing someone, right? And then also on the flip side, how am I being you know, a champion for someone else, right? And have I checked my own biases? Have I dealt with my own internal conflicts? Um, and how I see or approach people that do not necessarily look like me, have the same beliefs as me, have the same sexual orientation as me, and all those different things. For me, I think what is really important is that self-accountability. Once you're able to hold yourself accountable, then you can hold other people accountable as well. But until you've done the work for yourself, you cannot expect someone else to you know, do the work or you cannot, you cannot kind of like be a social media activist um, mm-hmm. if you, you know, within your actual circle, you are perpetuating the same violence and the same acts that you are, you know, hashtagging about. So I think it's really important to really check ourselves and be honest with that and say, you know what? this is this is it this is who i am and i need to check that and if you need support in dealing with that then you reach out and you ask for that support but until you've dealt with yourself i always say you cannot necessarily expect anything else from someone else yeah yeah because i feel like we all lead with examples so if we don't show that accountability like how can we expect accountability from someone else like it doesn't even make any sense But I wanted to touch on what you said about equality and equity. Maybe it's because I live in Argentina and my first language is Spanish and they mean the same thing in Spanish. But what do you, what did you mean with like the difference between equality and equity? I, I wanted to know more about that because I was so interested because here it means basically the same thing the same when thing. you translate the words. <laughs> Interesting. That's actually really, really, that's actually a really good point. And I, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because equality is the wanting something to be equal, right? So equality is, let's say, um, I have this book and, you know, I have, let's say I have two books and, you know, I have two people in front of me and I give each and every one of them one. That's equality. But equity is more around, I have two books And one person needs a book and the other one needs a pen. If the other one that needs a pen, I give them a book. It's not necessarily, it, it is, it's, it's equal. I've given both of them the book, but what they actually need is not a book. What they need is a pen, right? So equity mm-hmm. is giving the person that needs the book a book and giving the person that needs a pen a pen. But There's even like a different layer to this, which is around freedom and the concept of freedom in the sense that instead of actually having barriers to, let's say, choosing who to give what to and who gets what, how about you just put the resources and the stuff that is available on the table and let the person take whatever they need, right? So that is the concept of freedom. So that is essentially what equality and equity means. They're They, although they might sound similar and although in some, certain languages they might have the same meaning, the action of it is actually different because yeah. they, you are you're meeting the, the needs of people from different aspects and in different um, regards. So that's essentially what, what it is. Wow. No, I totally get it now. Like it makes a lot of sense. But I just I, 
I got it, but I didn't really fully understand it until you explained it. So thank you so much. Now I totally get it. Like, yeah, it's equity all the way. <laughs> because it totally ties with intersectionality and everything that we're talking about in this conversation. So I agree 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I wanted to ask you kind of to tie the question around intersectional feminism. Uh, how can the white feminists kind of change or shift the movement into being more intersectional and how can we make the people of color feel or people that have any kind of other inequality feel more part of feel more part of the movement and part of the group and how can we open the space to that so i i i think that's a that's a good question but one of the things that you know i think a lot of um people of color like whoever like i think this is something that you know it's it's a very tricky it's a very tricky question because i feel like in this day and age like it is not the responsibility of a person of color to educate a white woman on what mm -hmm. intersectional feminism is right it's also not the responsibility of this woman of color to teach you how to treat a human being like I, they, there's so many different aspects to it like you, you understand what i'm saying so yeah. for me when like when I hear a question like that, although it is a really good question, it's a valid question. I feel like you have to first check your personal biases. And even just, again, going back to what I said, it really comes back to you. Because if you're not doing the work, like I cannot spoon feed you information that you can easily access online, right? Intersectional feminism is something that has been spoken about several times. But then I think even on the, on the, on the deeper level, People of color are very vocal about the issues and the challenges that they experience, be it in the workspace, be it, you know, at home, be it at work, like wherever it is, they are very vocal about it, be it in society. So with all of this, like for, for, for any person to um, say that they don't have information or they do not know where to access information is actually quite ignorant and complacent. And mm -hmm. at that point in time, I don't think it is my responsibility to educate that person because then that person is saying that, you know what, I know that there is barriers. I know that, you know, patriarchy is at work. I know that there's systematic um, oppressions, but guess what? I don't care because at the end of the day, what I get from it is benefiting me and I don't want to like, you know, jeopardize that. And that would be your explanation to that. And someone like that, I wouldn't want to be the one to have to educate them because they have to be willing to educate themselves and doing the work for themselves. So I, I think it's really just do that work, do the self-work. Like if it's something that, you know, you, you recognize and you see within your community and you see among your friends, call them out on it. And that's what being an ally is. An ally is educating yourself and calling people out on their BS while checking yourself and recognizing what are my own biases and what, what are my own BS that I need to check. So it really goes both ways it's always about it comes back to you all the time right so yeah 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 I totally agree I just I I always feel like since you're way more informed than me in intersectional feminism I always feel like it's better to ask you what are the ways that we can improve and I feel like it ties back to everything that we talked about like individual work is the most important thing at the end of the day like without the individual work you cannot do anything in like a bigger scale I feel like And then I wanted to talk about the women's march question that I usually ask to my guests. That is more like their personal experience with feminism. That doesn't have to do with such a broad topic like intersectional feminism, but more like your own personal 
encounter with it. So I always start with what has feminism mean to you and how has it helped you throughout your career? Because this is a very career-based podcast usually when it's not women's focused. So how has it helped you throughout your career? How has you seen it help you throughout your career? Um, I, I would say that it just really just helped me um, be very forthcoming in the way that I operate, really. I, I think that's what the key thing is, is that I look at things differently, like I'm able to recognize how I show up and how, you know, how, how I show up in spaces and how, you know, I work with my girls through my organization. So there's, there's just a different aspect of it. But I think one thing too that I'll say is that like, it's like being black, like it's an everyday thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like I cannot take it on and take that. Like I cannot take it off and put it on like it's it's a part of who I am so there's always just you know there's it's always that one thing that's at the back of your head and like recognizing that like wow people I think like even feminism aside recognizing that like everyone comes from different experiences right and everyone has different experiences and as an individual you have to respect those experiences and you also have to respect people for who they are so I think that's what I would say, like, is at the core for me um, and not necessarily like even the tag of feminism. It's more around the work that we do and how do we ensure that we are building processes and we're building communities that is not de um, dependent on some of these patriarchal structures that have been put in place. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I wanted to ask you also if you have like someone that you look up to or a role model when it comes to women empowerment, the women equality and everything that we talked about until now. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I think this is something that most people will share. Like my my mom is like one of my biggest role models. I have mentors that I look up to that really challenge me. Um, yeah, like really like everywhere. I think I think I'm I'm inspired by women in general and our resilience and like, you know, just our ability to do stuff. So that's always something that, you know, I always keep at the back of my mind. But for me, like, you know, my mentors, my girls are one of my biggest inspirations and motivators because when I look at them, I see the future and I see how, you know, things are going to be different for like, you know, we are working today so that things can be different for them. Right. So yeah, that those are the people that I look up to and, really work for in 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 a way as well yeah i love that no one actually said like their moms or the people that they work with everyone always says like a bigger higher more famous founder or entrepreneur or someone really big so i really love that sometimes we don't think about like the people that we have around every day like yeah they inspire us to be our best selves no matter what we are or where we are And then I wanted to ask you one last question and then we'll move on to your foundation and all of that because I love the work that you do with that. What's something that you think that we still need to work on towards to when it comes to women women equality? I think everyone just needs to work on themselves, to be quite honest. Like tying everything I, I, back up. <laughs> yeah. Like for me, I think that's really important because until like you need to work on yourself. And you need to figure out your stuff and you need to check your biases. And from a structural and a systematic point of view, of course, you know, everyone would say, have more women in power, like have more representation and all those different things. And those are all really important. Don't get me wrong. But really, like 
check yourself like check you like you know what I mean like check yourself and be able to say you know what I am biased I have you know racist thoughts and I I I operate out of privilege and like check yourself and be honest with yourself and then work on that right um and for me I think that's really what's important is working on yourself like it's high because you know the the process is uncomfortable the conversation is Mm. uncomfortable and mm-hmm. until you check yourself and you check your biases, there's a lot of things that people do that they feel like it's okay. And they feel like it's okay because that's what they've been taught. That's, it comes second nature to them, right? Yeah. And they don't challenge those thoughts and they don't challenge those biases. And that's the reason why you'd have people calling up, you know, the police on black folks. You'd have people, you know, calling up the police and saying, oh, this person doesn't live here when they own the house. It's because we have preconceived notions and biases that we operate with. So really, if you are being reflective, because when you get called out on those things, they'll say, oh, I'm not racist. Actually, yes, you are. You just haven't checked it. You just haven't, you know, like really worked on yourself to recognize that, oh, these biases are actually not right or these biases are actually very problematic. So until you're able to do that and you work on yourself and you check those biases, you would actually be surprised as to, as to the person that you are. And then you work on it. Right. So like I'm, I'm at a point where I, I don't think, again, like, you know, it's it's my responsibility to advise anyone on what they should do about their biases. I think it's about recognizing those biases and checking those biases from a systematic point of view. It's. Also, like, if you find yourself in positions of power, just like what I said before, look around you. Does everyone look like you? Does everyone agree with you? That is not diverse. That is not inclusive. But then if you're bringing in diverse thoughts, you're bringing in diverse folks, you're bringing in people that do not even have the same experiences as you, you're able to make informed decisions knowing that you have the backing of all these different people. So really like you know people talk like feminism and diversity and inclusion and all these things is like it's you know in theory it sounds good but in practice it's actually even better um so yeah exactly (laughs) i totally agree especially again going back to everything that we talked about i feel like we're tying everything together with this part of the conversation because information it's so i like I think in English you say at the palm of your hand, like it's so accessible at least to us in this part of the world. Like we totally just, again, I just Googled intersectional feminism and I found you and I invited you to my podcast. And if you think about it, that was so easy for us to connect and have this conversation and kind of educate and know more about this and all of that. And then for in the interview, I just literally just Googled and read a bunch of articles and read, you, you watch a lot of, YouTube videos and I feel like I was going to mention this before but sometimes you don't even realize the bias because you share things on Instagram as we said you hashtag and you do this but then you look around at the people that you hang out with or share whatever life experience you're and they all look like you and they all think like you and you're like whoa well but but you're not putting it into practice and I feel like with any movement any social justice movement that is key to have different points of view and I mean this is the name of the podcast at the end of the day. So <laughs> I feel like you need to know all the sides and understand all the sides and open your ears. I think is that at least that's how we say it in Spanish, like open your ears and listen. I feel like that's the most important part. <laughs> Absolutely. You don't, like you said, you don't have an excuse, right? So, yeah. 
Yeah, you again, Google is so easy sometimes to just click. <laughs> and, and even just as easy as it is to share a post on Instagram or share a story, it's so easy to just click and share. It's just as easy to inform yourself and get to know more about the topics. I mean, nowadays also we have Netflix, which a bunch of bunch of documentaries and movies that reflect the, the problems that we have every day. And I just feel like, again, information is so at the palm of our hands nowadays that there's no excuse at the end of the day. There's no good enough excuse. <laughs> and then I wanted to touch on, again, your foundation called Power to Girls. Just that, so for anyone that doesn't know what it is, how did you found it, and what is your work there, basically? It's a broad question, but just so that everyone that maybe is not informed about that, they can know more yeah, about absolutely. it. Yeah, um, absolutely. So the name of the organization is Power to Girls Foundation, and we work with Black and marginalized girls um, to provide them with programming, resources, um, leadership training, um, trainings on entrepreneurship, mentorship. Um, among many other things, just so that they're able to, you know, thrive in this world and in this society. So that is essentially what we do. Um, we've been doing that for the past eight years, and I'm the founder of this organization. Um, and yeah, that's that's really it. Yeah, no, I love it. I love that you created a specific space for more marginalized <laughs> and black girls. I feel like it's so it's so important to have those spaces and make those spaces all the time. I feel like it's never enough, you know. And then you also created a driving service in Canada, I think, which I'm just so... I, I love that you created that. It, it, it angers me that it's needed to have a, a specific like driving service for women to feel safe. But at the end of the day, we really cannot help that. We really cannot change everything. And we so why motivate you to create that driving service? And for anyone that maybe lives in Canada, how does it work and how can they access to it, access it? Yeah, so uh, driver is like one of my um, my first experiences into the tech space. So currently, it's actually on hold as we try and um, as we navigate this new normal. Um, but essentially, yeah. it was again around creating that safe space for women and allowing women to take their safety into their own hands. Because you know, I'm pretty sure we've we've heard stories of women and the challenges that they face um, when they are in transportation services. So our work was really about how do we create a safer space for them by connecting women to each other. So that's really the true essence of um, Drive Her, really, and what we do. Um, and yeah, that's it. Really. I, lo I love it. I truly love it because I feel like it happens. At least I see it here in Argentina. Imagine we're on the other side of the world and you see it in Canada. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's incredible. And it happens every time. I mean, I hop on in a taxi or wherever I am and I have to send the location to some of my friends just in case, you know, and it's it's insane that we have to go through that sometimes, but we cannot ignore that. Like I can just I cannot just go in a taxi and feel safe. And it's just insane sometimes to sit back and think about that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think and I think that's what that's 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 the kind of like the the aspects that a lot of times we don't talk about is that the experiences that women face are very universal, especially when it comes to issues of safety. Um, mm. So it, it really, it, it really is a very interesting um, project, and I don't think it's something that I'm going to let go of just yet. But I'm, I'm really excited to be able to work on it. And um, yeah, like currently it's on hold, but we're definitely looking at ways to pivot and to bring it back. 
Yeah, I'm really excited to see it coming back. And again, with the universal experience that we have as women, I don't know if you heard about the case in the UK about Sarah, that she, you heard it, I think. I don't, I don't want to get into too much of that because I'm not super informed. And if I say something, I don't want to say it wrong, but it resonated so much with me and with people around me. And again, I'm here in Argentina, there in the UK. Like, if you think about like the length of how far we are from each other and that we experienced the same exact thing. And so many people around the world resonated with also that experience that is just insane. And it's kind of like mind gobbling sometimes because you're like, why are we going through this? But yeah, I love that you're making changing your own little space with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So then uh, we are coming to the end of the episode. So I ask one question to every guest to kind of close the episode, especially with everything going on with the world and the quarantine and all of that. I usually ask my guests, what's the biggest quarantine lesson that you've learned during quarantine? That's a good question. Um, for me, is that whatever it is that you want to do, you're more than capable of doing it and never stop believing in yourself. Um, and also just being reminded of the importance of rest and the importance of taking time out for myself um, and practicing that self-care that we talk about so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so, so, so much for being here today. Do you want to shout yourself on your socials and where everyone can find you so they know where you are? Yeah, absolutely. So I am on all social media platforms at, as Aisha for A-I-S-H-A. Um, my nonprofit is also called Power to Girls Foundation. Um, we also have an app actually that we've created to connect girls with mentors and each other that we're launching soon. So if anyone is interested in checking that out as well, um, it's on Instagram as my power app. But yeah, like my DMs are open. So if anyone wants to ask questions or wants to dig deeper on some of the things that we've talked about, I'm more than happy to um, have that conversation. And again, thank you so much, Camilla, for having me. Um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you for coming on. I truly didn't thought you were going to respond to my DMs. So I'm just so excited that we have this conversation. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> and to everyone else, I'll see you next week. Bye.